0: Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. And as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPL Roundtable at gmail.com.
1: I'm Richard Burns. I'm a Manchester City fan. You can find me on Twitter at Richard the Burns, And I write for Yahoo Sport UK.
2: Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits and write for APL Index.
3: Hello, I'm Jay. I'm editor of the EaglesBeak.com and Palace fan site. I'm also presenter of a local community radio show called Back of the Net. You can mostly get me at the EaglesBeak on Twitter and also get me on at underscore back of the net underscore uh, on Twitter for the radio show.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Richard not going to do a whole convoluted intro, you beat Manchester United at Old Trafford. What was your view of that one?
1: um a, a very good view of it it was um it was superb. I have rarely felt so confident going into a derby um because I've been so impressed by how city have started the season and the way that they're playing um and I don't really. I think there's a blueprint at the moment for beating City because, um, with the way the fullbacks are moving into midfield and um, the sort of tactical innovations that Guardiola's implemented, I genuinely don't think a Premier League team has played quite like City are doing at the moment, um, like ever it makes it really hard for teams to read us and to work out what we're going to do. Um, In a strange way, and I think Mourinho hinted at it beforehand, Aguero being out through another variable into that that made us even harder to work out because there were so many options that we could have done. Guardiola has a history of playing without strikers. Um, So that, I think, made it difficult for United to work out. Um, And... If there was one fear that I had, it was that of all the managers in the world who might be able to blunt City and and wouldn't be too worried about sort of fouling a a big game up, it would be Mourinho. Um, But that didn't really come to pass. The first half was um, as as good as I've seen City play in years. And I thought that a couple of weeks ago against West Ham. um, And the the first half in the derby was another step above it to walk into a title-rival's home ground. Um, and you know, in a big showpiece occasion that was being overshadowed beforehand, by, uh, with the media talking about the the rivalry between the managers and all their history, um, this was a really big game. And I thought City handled it brilliantly. United had a, a good first five minutes, and then once we controlled it, it was it was comfortable beyond belief. Um, the only way United got back into the game once City had taken a 2-0 lead and played some pretty breathtaking football that had literally silenced Old Trafford like I, I couldn't believe how quiet it was apart from our end um, the only way they got back into the game was through a mistake from Claudio Bravo in net um, and once they had that it gave them a bit of a foothold that they started to do something with in the, the first 15 minutes of the second half and then City worked out what to do again and the the. the problem solved on the pitch and that was partly through Guardiola substitutions and it was partly because the players seem to have the confidence um, and the, the freedom to work things out for themselves a little bit now which hasn't been there the last two years and so all this stuff is really refreshing and knowing that they can do that was part of what um what inspired my confidence anyway because we've seen it in, we've conceded a goal in uh, the, the Sunderland game the West End game the Stoke game we've always reacted positively to it um Kevin De Bruyne was unbelievable. Um, it says something about his performance that he somehow outshone David Silva, who was sensational, just a performance full of grace and poise. and um, It was just beautiful to watch. He's, he's back to his best, if not better. He might somehow be hitting a new peak, um, which, given the standard that we're used to for him, is uh, uh, is pretty ridiculous. And there were a lot of fears about him after... Uh, last season, which was disappointing for him, but he was outstanding. Fernandinho is having the entire team built around him, and he's absolutely relishing it. John Stones at centre back is just purring his way through games. Otamendi looks like a different player. Um, the only the only disappointment on the day was that Bravo didn't have a great debut, but he has, uh, and that's you know putting it politely. But I was so happy with the way City played, and the only nerves came from the sort of natural tension of being a goal ahead in the last five minutes because. We never, ever really looked threatened. United, with their £85 million signing in midfield, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic up front, resorted to hoofing the ball, and and City dealt with that all day. Um, So my view of it was very, very positive. I I find it remarkable just how quickly the team have adapted to what Pep's asking of them, and and the intensity and the demands that he requires. Um, And... We've laid down a marker now. We've laid down a marker for the next three years of rivalry between Pep and Mourinho. And we've laid down a marker for, for just how good we can be this season. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to say anything stupid like we'll definitely win the league or we're going to do a clean sweep. But there is a lot of catching up to do in a very short space of time for the teams around us, I feel.
0: All right, now we're going to talk to Dan about Arsenal Obviously, you get a 2-1 win. Maybe not as easy as you would have liked. A weird own goal, a Ciccioli bicycle kick. Uh, This game truly had it all. Late-minute penalty. Santiago uh, Casorla ends up taking it. So, very exciting. What was your take on it?
2: Yeah, exciting is definitely definitely a word for any last-minute winner. Um, And that game was no doubt weird. But overall performance was not great. Um, We really struggled to... Struggled to create a lot, and our defense—I don't know—our defense was fine, really. Uh, yeah, a draw would have probably been a better result, a, a more fair result. Obviously, not a better result, but a more fair result. Uh, I'm not going to argue with a win, obviously, but um, yeah, what was it start the game off? We were really didn't get a lot going. Southampton got there, got a free kick in the middle of the f- of the pitch, uh, about twenty yards out. Tadic hit it. Great save by Czech. Tipped it on the bar, but then it kind of came straight down off Czech's back and in for an own goal. That was annoying. Um, and then, what was it? It would have been about 10, 11 minutes later. Um, we get a corner. Would have been either Cazorla or Osil puts it in. Don't remember. Coughlin got his head to it. Then Perez won the second header. And it just kind of floated up there. And Kashelny went and biked it, shockingly enough. Um, it was really really no one could believe what had happened it was just unreal the center back center back captain on his birthday with a bicycle kick I'm not really sure that happens very often um if ever but it was really just an awesome goal uh and not one that anyone expected for obvious reasons um yeah and then for the rest of the game it, not a lot happened um neither team created any real clear cut chances i want to say off the top of my head the best one was shane long's chance but even that was half a chance uh, and he's not very good so he missed uh, alexis had a decent chance he put it over not a lot was happening it looked like it was going to go to a draw and then what was it in the 90th minute things got weird if they weren't already weird enough but um so what was it shane long in his own mv Southampton's attacking end in the corner. I don't know if he was actually fouled or not, but he was either a foul or a very ambitious dive. And uh Arsenal did not put the ball out of play for him, even though he was on the ground grabbing his ankle, which Arsenal usually do, but um apparently they felt sense urgency, being the 90th minute and all. Went up the pitch. Uh I can't remember if it was from a corner that Cashone went down or just across. But Cashone was down in about about the edge of the eight six yard area. Uh, But they kept playing on with stuff. He chipped the ball into the box. Giroud went for it, got pulled down by Font. Penalty. One of those that if you're on the team that's called for, you're like in the rules, it is a penalty. But then if you're on the team that's called against, like yeah, they never ever call shirt pulling as a penalty. Um, So it was kind of weird. But I'm not going to argue with it. It was penalty. It is in the rules because stepped up after two minutes of treatment for Kachalny and the ref booking three different Southampton players for foul and then arguing because stepped up showed his balls being bigger than the rest of his body scored 2-1 win uh again not a great performance but oh well
0: yeah um I did want to talk a little bit more about uh your new signings I think most people were surprised that Perez started and some people were surprised that he and Mustafi started uh immediately after signing with the club what was your take on their performances
2: um Perez didn't have a greatest debut he's very very isolated did not get into the game a lot it'll be interesting to see him with Alexis because quite frankly uh the service into him was really poor specifically Oxlade-Chamberlain he got the ball a lot and he didn't make a lot of passes he just he gave the ball away a lot he tried he tries really hard but he's just he has not been good for a while now um then Mustafi was fine he was good uh didn't make any real mistakes distributed from the back fine was good. Just nothing really to say. That's fine for a centre-back. You don't really want... You know, some centre-backs go and score bicycle kicks, but that's not really a requirement (laughs) of them.
0: All right, Jay. uh, Crystal Palace get their first win. Christian Benteke, big signing, shows up, gets a goal, a nice little header. Uh, What were your thoughts on the Palace match?
3: Very happy. I said before we came on air that Twitter was a very happy place yesterday. It's not been great the last few weeks since the season started for Palace and Pardew... And some of the signings that have come in. But it all clicked yesterday. It all clicked very well indeed, particularly after the bad news during the week that the uh, new signing, Lloyd Remy, got injured in training, which just adds to our injury rose from last season. I mean, uh, I mentioned it so many times last season on the podcast that our injury crisis was, I've never known anything like it. And we signed a player on loan from Chelsea for the season, Lloyd Remy, a player that we've been after for quite a while, I believe. Uh, first week in training. Gets injured and he's uh, on his way or he's back at Chelsea now to receive treatment. Um, he's not been sent back from his loan deal. He's, um, but it's believed to be out for about six to eight weeks, which is uh, truly fantastic from my perspective. So going into the game, a little bit of disappointment there because, you know, the striking options are something we were looking to bolster. And we had bolstered in the transfer window. Um, but I was quite positive about the game. I, I had a good feeling about going to Borough, a newly promoted side. You know, they would look at this game to be one that they could win. Really, in comparison, you know, looking at our form going into it, but we were probably just about edging it. And I think a lot of the uh, the bookies out there and a lot of the pundits were predicting a a home win for this one. But we had a good strong lineup. Our bench wasn't quite as strong as I'd like it to be, which was our biggest problem last season, I think. But you know, we had we were missing Johan Kabai, who returned home from France. Or for in duty from France, and, and same as James McCarthy from international in duty through being injured. Um, so it's a it's a familiar theme going on here. But thankfully, James McCarthy made it to starting lineup, and he is just a fantastic player for us. He does all the all the jobs that you all all the dirty jobs in a team that you don't particularly see players do. Is um, a machine runs from one end to the other. I, I can't say. Uh, enough good things about the guy he's great to have him back in our side we missed him for two months last season um during that terrible run we had at the start of uh, at the turn of the year and he really is a big part of our game so Johan Goodbye was missing I'll mention him, but we we started well from the outset we we took the game to Borough and a great bit of play from Wilf-Sarho, who was actually on fire for this game there's a big concern after the interest from Tottenham in the transfer window that his head will be turned a little bit. He's a very, oh, Kev, you know, you said it yourself. He's a very sulky kind of player. He mm. he has to be, you know, in training, he never looks particularly happy. But when he's got a smile on his face and he's enjoying his football, then there's not, you know, there's not many players that can kind of match him in terms of, you know, defensive. And George Friend is highly rated for Middlesbrough, um, had a torrid afternoon. Uh, in front of him as, as full-back the whole afternoon. Um, and and Will sent in a fantastic ball across to Christian Benteke for him to get off the mark. Still let to do a lot with the header, actually. Um, he had to get up above the defender, um, and he headed it well. And really looking forward to seeing much more of the same from Benteke. His whole game uh, was very good. Showed us a lot of what we're missing, a lot of energy up front. Um, good on the ball for a big guy. Protects the ball well. um And that shows us that he can bring other players into into play as one move later on in the game where He held the ball up so well, turned in the box and turned his back to goal effectively and laid the ball off to Townsend, who had a great effort on goal, um, turned away. So all in all, very positive from Palace. It's been coming, to be fair, because we played really well against Bournemouth without getting the win that we perhaps deserved. First half, we were terrible in that game. Second half, we were exceptional. um, And we've taken some of that into this game. And I did wonder that, you know, the very late equaliser we got in that Bournemouth game was more, we deserved a lot more more than that from that game. But I felt that that could be a bit of a turning point for us. Um, and yeah, maybe that's proved to be the case because we you know, we, we did ride our luck in this game and it, it could argue have been uh, a penalty call for Scott down in the area later on in the game where the ball kind of came up off his, off his, off his thigh uh, and, and hit his arm. Um, there was a second penalty claim on Damien Delaney which was nothing really um, it kind of hit him when he wasn't he was kind of back to goal and it would have been very harsh to give that so yeah we rode our luck but I think you make your own luck in this game really um, you know we took the game to Borough they had chances Steve Mandanda was um, he's going to turn out to be a fantastic signing for us probably I think I've said before he's going to be the signing of the seasons for us yeah is going to score the goals no doubt but we paid 30 million for him we've we paid him uh, to, to come in and do that but Mandanda he's just out Absolute class. And I'm, I'm just glad that Parge had the option to bring a Hennessy back in. I think Mandanda, unless he gets injured, then nobody else is going to get a look in goal for us. Absolutely mm. fantastic. And that's the kind of thing we need to do, build from the back. And, you know, he organises the back line, even though he doesn't speak an awful lot of English at the moment. You know, we have a few French-speaking players in the side. He just gets out there and, you know, does his talking on the pitch. Fantastic. Good with both feet. Um, and re- really good shot stopper as well. So he's that kind of key part of the... Uh, you know defensive unit that we kind of missed a little bit a very vocal um, and positive goalkeeper so so all in all very happy with the three points and I'm really hoping that we can push on from here um, going into next weekend
0: yeah I wish I had a more interesting uh, football or tactics question for you but I, I'm interested in hearing what the whole situation is surrounding the signing of Benteke's brother and then him being on the bench <laughs> and celebrating the goal how did all of that transpire
3: well, we, we believe that he was recommended by Christian Menteke himself. You know, I think uh, Jonathan Menteke was playing in the Russian leagues last season, but was without a club. Um, and he's come along probably at the right time because we had a few injuries um, going into this game, particularly the striker options. And it's probably thankful that we did have him uh, around the club and he's coming to the club sign. I'm not even sure what contract he signed. I think he's, I think he signed a contract until January or maybe the end of the season. I'm not sure. Um, But, yeah, it's an intriguing one because the club didn't officially announce his signing. He just appeared on the bench and said, there's a lot of rumours going around that he was joining the club with his brother, Christian, um, but nothing official came out at all. And then, obviously, the team sheet came out yesterday, or it was mentioned that he he was travelling with the squad. Um, So, so yeah, I don't have anything definitive on that, actually, um, to be fair, but... um, but yeah, it was a nice touch like yesterday, um, seeing him standing up and applauding his brother for scoring that goal, and and obviously replacing his brother later on in the game. Um, yet to see kind of what he could bring to the side, but when we' When our squad is fully fit if it 's fully fit this season i don 't expect to see him on the bench that often, but he may he may uh, he may prove that to be wrong, but I would mention um, the signing of Flamini during the week uh, from Arsenal, which for me I think is a brilliant piece of business. you know we were one player short uh, when we named our Premier League squad and named the squad of twenty four so there's one place available um, and it sounds like there was always a view to bringing somebody in um like for me It sounds like they were talking to flamini 's uh, people for quite a while, so um I think he could prove to be a very wise addition to the squad and he came on with about seven or eight minutes left to go and did that job you want him to do kind of you know defended in front of the back line and kind of helped us get over the line in that game yesterday
0: yeah for tottenham uh it was a very interesting one uh the first half i I thought we were pretty disappointing again which was frustrating as we hadn't really seen a good performance out of tottenham yet this season while it is impressive uh that we already have five points this season it has not been from playing some terrific football. I think probably the last 15 or 20 minutes against Everton is the best we've seen us thus far this season. Um, so the first half looked a little more of the same. I, I wonder how much of that is the Dyer-Wanyama pair. Not that they aren't doing their jobs, which just it's a very defensive setup. Um, so anyway, it, it looked like it was going to be deadlocked for a while. Uh, But then Christian Eriksen put in a a great ball from the right. Christian Eriksen, by the way, signed a new uh, five-year contract this week, uh, and it immediately showed. I don't know if it was the money that was weighing on his mind um, or what, but he did have a good uh, couple of games for the international team. uh, For Denmark, he comes back, looks to be in excellent form, all of a sudden out of nowhere after having struggled. Uh, the past three weeks, and then obviously towards the end of last season. But I thought he did very well. But getting back to the first goal, uh, Eriksson played in a ball to Son, who last season struggled a lot of times with his first touch. So what does he do this time? Let's just forego that whole first touch thing. Hits it first time and and buried it. It was a very nice goal. Just opened up his body, slotted it past the keeper. Uh, and was very pleased with that. So one nil no going into the half. Um, then in the second half. You know, things were progressing. Things were looking a little bit better. Wanyama picked up a yellow card. uh, Then very soon after had a second challenge that could have been a yellow. Uh, So then Pochettino withdrew him uh, around the 55th minute and put on Lamella. And then within 30 seconds of Eric Lamella being on the pitch, uh, we scored a goal. And while he wasn't directly involved, he did make a run that kept... um, I wish I remembered the name. Uh, Whoever number 20 was on Stoke kept his eyes on Lamella's run, which gave Son just enough space uh, to drive in and hit the ball first time that Ericsson played into him. So two goals, two Ericsson assists, both of them scored by Hyunmin Sun. And if Sun can show up the way he did in this match, or, or even uh, a percentage of it, like 60% of what he did in this match, uh, if he can do that the rest of the season and be the player he was at Bayer Leverkusen, we could be in for a very good season if we have players like that that are willing to and able to step up into that first team and really try to claim a spot for themselves. Um, But anyway, so that was very nice, the second goal. Then we just went on a a tear for the next 15 or 20 minutes, scored two more. Uh, Della Ali and Harry Kane both got on the score sheet. Obviously, they did not have the summers that they had hoped for. uh, With England, hadn't really gotten off to great starts, but they started looking good as well. I think Della Ali, as a player who is allowed to just roam around the pitch, is something that Stoke have a very hard time dealing with because it seems their defensive setup is so rigid that they don't know how to account for a player that can just be that free. And you'd think uh, Gianelli Mbula, who I do rate, by the way, would be the player that would be tasked with sticking on him, but Mbula found himself forward a lot uh, and wasn't able to shut him down. And then if you put Mbula on just Ali when Ericsson is having a good game, maybe that opens up too many passing lanes. Uh, so maybe that wouldn't go, but they, they should have done something. Because as soon as they were 2-0 down, they had to open up. And then that just let us run roughshod through them. Um, Taking Wanyama off for Dyer, by the way, I think is possibly the last time we're going to see that duo this year. Dembele is now back uh, from his suspension. Musa Sissoko has now worked with the side. He did come on late. Uh, Wasn't amazing. Wasn't awful. He did have two good um, crosses. Well, he had two crosses. One of them was good, the other one went straight to the keeper. Uh, but I thought the most impressive thing he did was he made uh, a pitch-length run uh, to try to go and stop Arnautovic, who had very little standing in the way of him and Hugo Lloris's net. Uh, so was very impressed with that. was joking with Jake Jackman, who used to be on the show all the time, host of the Championship Roundtable, random plug, that um, that run might have been uh, more than Sissoko did for Newcastle all of last season. Um, still waiting to see how he beds in, although he did get a very warm reception from the fans, which I thought was interesting. I was really curious to see how the fans would react to his presence. Uh, and it did seem positive on the whole, so that was good. Yansen um, comes on late, was really hoping he'd be able to get a goal. This is the perfect game to bring a player like Yansen, who's been playing well, just needs to bulge the back of the net. Uh, to get the confidence up. But then as soon as we brought Jansen on, we took Ericsson off. And so then we started playing more reserved, which I guess, guess is, is understandable when you're up 4-0. Uh, just would have liked to, to keep the foot on the gas a little bit longer if possible. But all in all, very pleased uh, with the result. I, I think it was easily the best half we've played this season, um, e- even if we hadn't scored the goals. We, we were just running roughshod through them. Uh, and yeah, now with Dembele back, we should be feeling very good. The fact that we went four unbeaten without Moussa Dembele in the team, considering all the negative stats that existed last season without Dembele, um, I think it's it's great for us. I think it's a good sign of where the club is heading. And as I mentioned, the, the development of Lamella and Son could mean that we're in the top four race, which I hadn't really considered before. But we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but just wrapping up the Tottenham stuff, Champions League on Wednesday against Monaco at Wembley. I think it would have been cool if we could have played the last season uh, at White Hart Lane, if we could have done the Champions League there. It is obviously awesome that we get to do it at Wembley and, as I mentioned, sold it out, which is incredible. And I think it'll be very fun for the players to play at, at such a, uh, a you know massive venue in, in Europe. But uh, I just think, you know, as a sending-off gift, it would have been amazing to have them at White Hart Lane. Eric Dyer actually echoed those sentiments earlier this week, but... Uh, amazing nonetheless, and can't wait till Wednesday to see us back in Champions League action once more. All right, and now back to that top four conversation I just alluded to with Tottenham there. Guys, I want to get your take on the end of the transfer window and the start of the season. Now we're four games in, windows closed. We know what everyone's squads will be for the rest of the season. Has this changed at all? Uh, Who you think will be in the top four come the end of the year, or who you think might not be able to to make the drop point and who may indeed go down. Richard, we'll start with you.
1: Yeah, um, I think the bottom six is particularly interesting this year. Um, I'm uh, slightly surprised by just how bad a start Stoke have had. Um, I know Mark Hughes traditionally starts badly. We saw that at City. Um, I think he did it at Fulham in his one year there before going on to have a good year. He certainly did it at QPR. And it used to happen at Blackburn. His career was littered with slow starts. Um, So I'm not sure um, if Stoke are going to remain down there, but they've not been impressive so far. They weren't very good when we went there, um, especially compared to how good they were last year at the Britannia against us which is obviously only a a one game comparison Um, but they were they've looked really poor to me from what I've seen of them and they don't have that sort of resolute, uh, the resilience that you associate with a Stoke team and particularly at the Britannia so I'm really fascinated by them because they're at a point where you know, nothing's decided in the first five, six games, but momentum counts for a lot. And if you don't get it going quickly, you can find yourself struggling for a long time. It sets up a very difficult season. Um, so I'm just intrigued by them. <clears throat> Southampton as well. Um, I would be lying if I said I knew a lot about their manager. Um, but they have a history of making very good managerial appointments. Um, and this sort of, Tend to settle in quickly, Um, and again, it hasn't really happened this time. So they, I wouldn't be surprised if they do stay down there a little bit. Um, But it's almost, you know, it's sort of a hunch at this stage. But again, momentum is massively going against them, and obviously the other team that you just threw in there, West Ham. I don't particularly expect to stay down there because Payet um, is good enough to think that they will. He's a good enough player to uh, inspire them and lift them beyond the sort of malaise of a, a relegation battle with with a player of that skill and trickery um, who gets you know gets the, the fans behind and everything like that. You'd think that there's enough there to, to lift them well ahead, but again, they had a great start last year, which carried them a lot because um, they did have a bit of a dip mid-season and it wasn't huge, but they did have a dip, and that that good start was a cushion for them to know that they could sort of afford to ride to ride out a you know, a 4-5 game bad spell. And now they haven't got that cushion this year because they've had such a bad start. Um, The result against Watford this weekend was was criminals throw away 2-0 lead And teams at new stadiums, and again, another thing that we experienced at City to a large extent, teams at new stadiums do often tend to struggle. Um, And there's a bit of bad press around what's happening there at the moment with fan trouble um, occurring far too regularly at the stadium. And I wonder how much stuff like that, when you're already in a bad run, um, how much stuff like that begins to seep into the squad and the, the constant negativity, whether it does permeate and make the the mood even worse at, uh, in, a, in a squad. Um, I think Burnley have got a, a season-long struggle. I've not been overly impressed with Swansea. So they're the, the kind of teams that I expect to be down there. Um, Stoke and Sunderland have very much watched this space. Um, sorry, not Sunderland, because I think Sunderland will be in a battle. Stoke and Southampton have watched this space. Um, as for the top four, I'd, don't see it much differently to was sorry at the start of the season. I think City, I'm very confident about I think they will be in the top four. I think we'll probably win the league. Um Chelsea have been, I think, quite impressive. They did well to even though they weren't great today, um and they shouldn't have dropped points at Swansea, they did do well to come back from behind having made two mistakes to throw away a lead. So the mentality's there and the fights there that that wasn't there for large parts of last year. And they've improved massively. Um I think United are better, but I'm less convinced after this weekend that they're on for a, a season-long title challenge. And then that makes the fourth spot um, as interesting as it looked in the summer. Um, I'm intrigued to watch Everton because I think they've had a really good start and Koeman's a very good manager. Uh, I'm not convinced that they've spent money as well as we expected, given the money that they got for Stones. Um and the promise of having a rich owner and what he was going to be willing to spend. I'm not sure they really did what I expected them to do in the window, but um, keeping Lukaku was huge for them, and they've got they've got a good squad, so I think they will, in there, the little ebbs and flows that they seem to have every year, I think they'll push quite high. Um, I still think it'll be the year that Arsenal drop out of the top four, I've thought that for some time. And, and as for who replaces them, I'm just not sure whether Tottenham hold on to a top-four spot or whether Liverpool nick in there, because I think Jurgen Klopp has, has got so much going for him and they, they look pretty impressive from what I saw this weekend. Um, the defence will be a sticking point for them, but last time, they had a, a, when they finished second, they had a terrible defensive record in 2014 and it didn't stop them finishing the top-four easily. So I wouldn't be surprised if the top-four is City, Chelsea, United, Liverpool
0: yeah fair enough Dan what do you think of Arsenal's chances are you feeling better or worse based on the starts of others
2: um I always think we'll make top four um that's not true I thought we've made, we'll make top four essentially every year since we signed Ozil I think we're fine for top four um I think from the top of the table the only thing that's changed is City have become over, more overwhelming favorites for me if they already were it was more like you know, like say these are random numbers, but say like forty percent chance of City will win the league, then sixty everyone else. I think more now it's kinda of switched. More like I think City will more likely than not win the league with um I think United are probably the second best team. Um and uh, I don't know. Then maybe Chelsea and Arsenal finish third and fourth, not sure which way. Um that sounds like it perfectly bl- possible thing to happen um bottom of the table is more interesting i don't think hull or burnley have done anything to help themselves since like signing players wise since we last talked about it i think they'll still go down uh even if Hull have gotten a few good results early on their performances still haven't been that great i think they'll catch up to them they'll go down uh same at burnley have not been great not that i was expecting them to be i think they'll go down then for the other teams, Swansea, I'd begrudgingly put in my last relegated spot for at the beginning of the season, and even if I like best on signing, I don't think they've really done anything to make me not think, not be worried about them. Uh, Bournemouth, I'm also slightly worried about. I think they'll be fine, but eh. I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the summer. Um, as, I know Jack Wilshire on loan, I, I'm the Arsenal fan, I should be uh, loving that, but... I don't know. I, I don't know how it'll do. I really don't. Uh don't hate the Jordan Ives signing for them. Uh, Yeah, I think they could have done uh, more yeah. with, with, with the uh, resources they had. Or at least the money they spent. um, They could have done more with it. Um, uh, Yeah, Swansea haven't really done anything to convince me otherwise, if, that they won't be re- in trouble this season. I do like the best on signing, but really I don't think they had a great summer. I think they're one of the few teams in the Premier League that definitely didn't get that didn't get better and may have got worse um Bournemouth I didn't love their summer um yeah I know Jack Wilshire, but I don't know if he's actually gonna work out I hated the Jordan Ives signing I think they could have done more with the money they spent um Watford was another team that was being thrown around there I think they'll I think they'll be all right um their manager whose name I'm struggling struggling to pronounce hasn't had a great start but I think they've got enough talent to be to make it um then West Brom if Pulis wasn't their manager I definitely think they'd be in trouble but he is so you know that's always weird I really don't know who's gonna be that last slot but there are definitely some teams that I like that are worrying me Palace is one team that did worry me a bit but they signed Benteke and I'm not worried about them at all I think he should make them be I think they should be totally fine
0: yeah Jay he mentioned you there it was not a fun start to the season for Palace were you ever worried you'd be in that area
3: I think there's more a worry that uh, the form of last season kind of carried on to the start of this season. A lot of people think that the summer is a clean slate, and while that's true to certain respects, I always said that the start of this season was critical for Pardew in terms of him keeping his job. And it didn't start great on opening day against West Brom, even though it was a narrow defeat. But the manner of the defeat, you could kind of see it coming um in a way you know we plus certain points in the game but along the we it went on without scoring we just knew that West Brom would get a goal from a set piece and that proved to be the case very similar to the second game against Tottenham very same scenario lost the game uh due to a set piece when Tottenham were a little bit off color but we kind of matched them in in different areas and looking back now it doesn't look that bad a defeat to be quite honest with you um but, yeah, I think the win yesterday and and getting that late goal as I mentioned earlier against Bournemouth in that game before uh was huge for us and and g- gave us something to build on it. and we obviously built on that yesterday and we I'm hoping we can say it in and I think uh, Dan's right there and the side of Benteke gives us a real opportunity to push on up the table and and challenge for a you know, if not a mid-table slot, then maybe a top ten slot, which is you know we finished tenth a couple of seasons ago. There's no harm in trying to achieve or trying to look to achieve something something similar. In terms of the other clubs, I'm very surprised at Stoke's situation at the moment. I think Marky's probably has to be a little bit careful at the moment with it, particularly with his job, but you know they've allowed him to make some decent signings well what what looked to be decent signings but he's got to get he's got to get them to gel and and, and gel quickly and and sit them him at the bottom of the table i mean we we actually face Stoke city next weekend next sunday which don't know how it's a live game on tv not putting down my own team but um it, it's it's an odd choice but you know, a, a team like that who have just been beaten, like they have been beaten, are a dangerous team to face. Whether they've got one point or not at the bottom of the table, I keep saying this after yesterday that you know our home form isn't great. We we struggle to break teams down at home, so that will be that will be a tough game. Stoke will want to get a win, um, and they will likely see um, us as you know as a chance of getting some points. Looking around, Southampton are a big surprise being down as as you guys already mentioned. West Ham as well. Yeah, the West Ham one interest isn't it I mean they looked to be you know flying yesterday two goals up in in, in relatively quick time play, pay out back playing for them and and they were you know they were sailing through to all three points and then and then Watford got involved and it, it just kind of they kind of self-combusted and you know whether the stadium situation is going to hinder them I don't know there's a lot to be said for moving from one stadium to another uh, in terms of atmosphere and you know West Ham was was a pitch quite close, uh, Sorry, was a was a ground that was quite close to the pitch. The fans were quite close to the players, so it's a huge difference there in atmosphere as well. Um, Leicester. A lot of people have said that Leicester won't win a title again. I think a lot of people, most people, will agree with that. What with their Champions League aspirations, but I think the biggest biggest thing for them, as many people already said, is the loss of Kante. It it was so notable yesterday seeing how how different they are without him. That that kind of player to to do what he did. You know, he did it quietly. Like I mentioned, James MacArthur for us is is massive for us. Kante, even more so for Leicester, was a massive piece of them winning the title last year. So what with Champions League as well, a big defeat yesterday against Liverpool. It's going to be a very different season for them. It's going to be interesting to see how they cope with that. Um, I, I can't see them finishing challenging in the top six. Um, I really can't, but maybe they're going to prove it wrong. On the flip side, on, on the other side of the table, I can't see Hull staying up towards that top of the table. They've started you know, very well uh, with limited resources, but I think they will um, end up being around uh, a relegation zone. For me, Everton, I think, might be a surprise. I think um, it'd be interesting to see how they do tomorrow against Sunderland, which is, is a tricky game in itself, but it should be one that they, they would win but I think Cooman is a shrewd appointment. That did very well at Southampton. Yeah, they had a good basis there, I have to say. But he's coming to Everton and kind of rejuvenated them a little bit, uh, and, and made a couple of decent signs. Lukaku staying—that's massive for them. That's kind of like a new sign. If they lost Lukaku, trying to find that striker to score that—you know—score those goals for him is is gold dust, as every team is finding out in, in, in the Premier League. So, um, I think the big thing is. though, I could see Everton challenging the top six. Teams. I mean, the top six teams are are there at the moment. They're the ones that we expect or everyone expects to be there or thereabouts. And I don't see that changing too much. But for me, I can see Everton being one that might, you know, might cause a few upsets in there.
0: Yeah, I think you've all made a, a lot of good points. Um, I think West Ham are the weird one that's down there right now. Uh, because I feel like a lot of people have forgotten that, yes, they already crashed out of the Europa League, which is obviously very disappointing for them. But also it means that they're going to have that run of games again where everybody else is playing in other competitions and they're going to have a free week to prepare. And I think that that also helped them last season, especially compared to to some of the bigger clubs that were in Europe at the time. So I I do think they'll boost themselves out. I think Stoke is the craziest one. I talked a little bit about this uh, on a radio show this morning. But the fact that Stoke are not only in last but also have already conceded 10 goals – is so crazy, and I know that most people know that uh, Stoke are no longer the defendant hoofball team they were of years gone by, but to see that it's just absolutely incredible. I thought Bruno martins Zindi was a very good signing. Uh, he was okay, you know, as okay as you can be as part of a defense that concedes four goals. Um, I thought the Boney signing was a good one. I know that they don't have Butland or Shakiri and that they didn't play Bojan, but this, this Stoke side is very talented. And the fact that they're able to get so little out of it, regardless of injuries, I think has to be a very, very big concern for them. Uh, I also uh, went publicly and said that I I thought that if you have Leroy Thayer as a player that you have to count on every week, you're going to be in trouble. And that was roughly 30 minutes before that game uh, where he ends up scoring uh, what at the time was the go-ahead goal against Chelsea. Um, I, I do not think that Swansea adequately replaced uh, IU or Williams, and I'd be very surprised if you could find a Swansea fan that think they did enough uh, to replace those two. Borja was a good signing, but he's hurt. Uh, Llorente is probably a couple years too late in joining the Premier League to really have like a, a very marked, significant impact. Um, so I'm worried about them as well. On the other hand, I'm not nearly as worried for Hull as you guys are. Maybe, maybe not worried. I just don't think. Uh, they're going to be in that much trouble. I think Marcus Henriksson was a, a phenomenal, if not underrated, if not underreported signing because it happened after the deadline was closed that it was announced. Um, I think bringing in Ryan Mason has value. Uh, I'm not saying he should be starting every match. You know, they do have uh, <laughs> Livermore and and Huddleston there already, so they could go with three Spurs midfielders, but that's not why I think they're going to be okay. I think Abel Hernandez is a phenomenal talent still even though he has been in the Premier League once dropped out and now he's back uh I think he's fine I thought the DMRC and signing was a very smart second one I I still contend that if uh Norwich had started and over Cameron Jerome every match last season they could have stayed up but they just refused to they kept doing that foolishness swapping around Redmond and Brady and uh oh there was another one Mm, i forget who it was there was a central midfielder that they were pushing all the way around all the time but anyway i, was I don't know uh was it, it was johnny house yeah it sure uh-huh. was um <laughs> we don't need to talk this much about norwich i'm just saying i, I don't think hull are going to be in as bad a spot as everybody thinks they are yakupovich was never meant to be their number one they brought in another keeper their main keeper mcgregor is supposed to be back sometime soon anyway um, they're going to get Michael Dawson back at some point, which some people might laugh at, but he does improve that defense. Him next to Curtis Davies, who I think is impressed a lot this season. Uh, I, I just don't see them fading away the way that a lot of people do, but you know, only time will tell. Uh, the problem with me backing Hull like that is now I have to pick another team to go down. Um, not really sure who would be in that mix. I do not think any of these teams that are down there right now will end there. I think Swansea would be the closest, even even with what happened today. Um, but as was mentioned, uh, with players being good enough, like Benteke being good enough to lift Palace out of that entire conversation, uh, I, I think Sigurdsson has that kind of ability as long as he's at a smaller club and he can be in control of the ball all the time. Um, so we'll see how, how that works out uh, for them. But I, I do think the, the chase at the bottom will be very interesting. The one at the top, I agree, Jay. I think the top six right now is probably the top six come the end of the year, but that, that could always change. Uh, from the Tottenham side, the reason why I think I'm more optimistic about us finishing top four right now is a) we got points from three matches where we didn't play well, which was something that we kind of struggled in at times last season, and if Youngman's son, I'm not, I'm not going to say plays like yesterday because that was a phenomenal match from me. him, and you don't expect that every match. But if Lamella continues to develop the way he has, and if Youngman's son plays like the player, not improved from, uh-huh. if he plays like exactly the player he was at Bayer Leverkusen. We are in a very strong position, and I know some some Spurs fans were saying that it didn't matter if we had a bad window because we have so much oh. young talent that them developing would be the proverbial like a new signing situation, but genuinely, if Son and Lamella can step up this season, we could be in for a very fun one again. All right, now we're going to head into player watch, which is a good time to do that as I was just upping two of our own. Uh, what players impressed and disappointed for you, Richard?
1: um well most impressive um I touched on them before um silver and de bruyne who were uh, just both of them were sensational i've thought david silver was absolutely done um and it turns out he's not, when I say done, I mean, never returning to his best. I didn't think he was suddenly become a, about to become a terrible player or anything like that. But he struggled all last season to get anywhere close to his best. Um, he's had a permanent ankle injury that doesn't get spoken about enough, really, for how often he plays. He's had an ankle injury since way before he joined City. It's permanently weak. Um, and it seemed to catch up with him a little bit last year. He played far too many games and um, with that condition and, you know, he's had six years of doing that since he's been at City with international tournaments every couple of years on top of it, where he's usually a mainstay in the Spain team. So he plays a lot of football with a permanent injury um, to see him reinvigorated under Guardiola is wonderful for us because he's quite apart from um, the fact that he's brilliant at what he does he's such an entertaining player to watch Um, you can just keep your eye on him for minutes at a time and he's he's gliding across the pitch it's fantastic He, he turns the game into an art form so it is nice to um from a personal perspective, just to, to see him back at that level. Um, but yesterday was ridiculous. He was winning tackles, winning 50-50s. Um, his work rate, and he's never been a slouch, but his, his work rate, just like the rest of the team, has, um, has gone through the roof. And, and De Bruyne has had a, a slowish start to the season, which was never going to last because he's too good a player for it to. Um, but yesterday, in Aguero's absence, the way he helped run the line along with Ianacho, and then did run the line despite the fact that he was absolutely out on his feet at the end um, to the point that when we made our third substitution, um, I think it was Nolito that was trying to come off um, or that was originally meant to be coming off and De Bruyne was signalling at the bench that he was desperate for it to be him because he was absolutely gone um it was superb it was a performance full of intelligence and, and reading the game and reading the situation calm in front of goal and all the rest of it so they were the, the two most impressive for me um and then in terms of disappointment the only one we can really look to is bravo and that that feels horrible because it was his debut and it was probably not the ideal situation for him to be thrown into he knows that he's been compared to joe hart It was a much loved by City fans, and nobody really wanted him to go. Even if we do accept that Guardiola has to be given the remit to to make the decisions that he wants to make, um, it's not a decision that people like or want to you know want to have to accept. Really, so any little thing that Bravo does is going to be compared to you know would Joe Hart have made that mistake um, and all that all that stuff. So for him to make an error in a derby and then he looked rocky for the rest of the game after he was making bad decisions when he was trying to take players on or he was um, you know taking heavy touches he would have to be the player that was disappointing but that comes with a massive caveat of it was his first game in a league that he's not used to the style of you know crosses into the box and, and the, perhaps the intensity of the hustle and bustle of a Premier League penalty box at set pieces I don't think it's quite the same in La Liga that he's used to um, so that is a you know it does come with that massive caveat but um it, it wasn't a great start for him. All right. And
0: Dan, who impressed and disappointed for Arsenal?
2: Uh, impressed was easy. It was sent to Cazorla. He was absolutely fantastic and had nothing to do with his penalty at the end. He essentially acted as a one man midfield, which is important when we have Cochlin, which I, I'm, I'm probably being harsh on Coughlin a bit, but I'm not as big a fan and in possession, he really is a bit of a passenger and Cazorla made up for it, especially in the second half. He was really, really, really good. Uh, scored penalty at the end, which took a lot of uh, bottle, I guess the term, a lot of balls. He was, because he had to wait like three minutes to take it, but um, he was absolutely fantastic in the middle of the park, dominated it for um, the entirety of the second half and even part of the first half. Um, Disappointed, it's got to be actually chamberlain really. He didn't do anything positive. He lost the ball a lot, which I usually think is bit harsh to criticize a player who like naturally is naturally risky to losing the ball a lot but when you don't do anything on top of that it's he really wasn't good he hasn't been good for a while now it's it's really sad because i really like him and he really does want to be good and he just he's just not he's really not been very good for a bit now he really really gave the ball away a lot didn't add
3: anything to the play it's gotta be him sorry ox yeah for me it has to be uh Wilfred Zaha. He stole the show for Palace, and it's a big concern here. The game it was a big performance for him, as I mentioned earlier. The the transfer window may have stirred him up a little bit, made his eyes look elsewhere. Perhaps whether the interest from Spurs is actually true or not is is another matter. But it, we've seen it before, haven't we? Where players have uh, had a bid from another club and the club hasn't let them go. So there was always a worry that this would be a bit of an issue for Wilf. But thankfully, it wasn't. He really showed what he can do, and. Had a great game, as I mentioned. Gave George Friend a torrid afternoon. He really did. Um, got an assist, got a goal. What more do you want from a winger? Um, contrary to what Alan Shearer says on matchday Day um, in, in the evening of the game, but I won't go into that. Um, players disappointed. I think there's probably two defenders, actually, that disappoint a little bit. Joel Ward isn't living up to some of the um, fans' expectations at the moment. His fans do really enjoy Joel Ward, and he's one of those players that the fans don't like criticism. And he doesn't get a lot of criticism if he does put in a bad performance, which probably isn't the best thing. But um, he kind of had an average game yesterday. Um, And Damien Delaney in the centre alongside Scott Dan. I think he's there at the moment because he does have a good partnership with Scott Dan. But as the season goes on, there's no doubt that James Tompkins will um, get in there and replace him as the season goes on. Damien Delaney is not getting any younger. He's, He's done great service for us. But I think we need something a little bit more than hoofing the ball up from the back at times, which is sometimes that he tries to do too often, perhaps, uh, and use that ball a little bit more. Hopefully, Tompkins is that man, bit of a younger centre-back, and can you can do that. So, whether Delaney's looking a bit under pressure or maybe, you know, injuries a catch him, I'm not sure. But um, for a lot of fans, I think he's in there because he has a good partnership with Scott Dan, but that will change as the season goes on.
0: All right, now we're going to head into match previews, uh, where we have called a bit of an audible on the guys because... I scheduled match previews for the Premier League weekend, uh, and then realized that three of us have Champions League matches before then, so with very little time to do research or anything. Richard, uh, obviously Manchester City are up against Borussia Mönchengladbach. What do you see in this one?
1: Um, well, the the biggest intrigue for me comes in City's uh, team selection, and I'm loath to try and predict what it will be, but... As I said earlier, there was De Bruyne and a couple of others looked very, very tired after the derby on Saturday. Um it was an extremely intense game. So I think this is gonna be where we really start to see a, a a test of Guardiola now. Um because so far, yes, we have had a couple of midweek games in the Champions League playoff, but uh, the Stour Bucharest Away game wasn't the most testing largely because City were very good, but Stour weren't um weren't the the hardest opposition and then the second leg we'd already won the first leg 5-0 so the second leg was um, a, a easy night's work as well with the, the job already done so this where we start to get to the midweek games is going to be really interesting um, I know that Munch and Gladbach lost to Freiburg this weekend they lost 3-1 um, I think they've played two and uh, in the league one one lost one so they're not coming into it flying themselves or having had a great start Um, I know last year when we played them they sort of took us by surprise a bit because although we won the away game it was uh, which was the first time we played them last season it was uh, when they just changed manager because they'd had a terrible start to the season and then they surprised us by playing a a really sort of open expansive game and hitting us a hell of a lot on the counter which isn't the biggest surprise with the German team but they were very very good at it Um, and it took a last minute penalty to beat them and they weren't Huge. They 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 weren't too far behind. Although we beat them four two in the home game, um, yeah, they weren't. They they were pretty good. Again, I'll be honest. I don't know what kind of summer they've had, um, so I don't know what kind of differences to expect from them. But I think they will. They will present a challenge. Um, in terms of our team selection, like I said, I don't particularly want to predict it. I assume, though, Ian Acho will start up front again, which I would greatly approve of. Um, I thought he had a, a really good game on Saturday, got his goal, his first one of the season, which I'm sure will settle him. Um, and then I wouldn't be surprised to see De Bruyne taken out. I think Silva will still start. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Navas came in, because Sterling and Alito have played quite a bit of football between them. Um so I wouldn't be surprised if Navas came in for one of them, and then Leroy Sané is now fit and looked. Although you know he wasn't pulling up trees because he was only on for about 15 minutes of the derby, he looked all right. It was a baptism of fire, and he, he came through it. So I guess he could start. I wouldn't be surprised if he came off the bench again, though. Um, and the back line will probably look very similar to what it did a weekend. Maybe Clichy could uh, could come in for. Kolarov who again has played quite a lot of football. Um I think we'll win because we look very impressive at the moment. Uh, Guardiola became the first City manager to win his first five uh, his first five competitive games which then became six in the derby and hopefully that will continue rolling over because every game we win now is going to set a new record. So hopefully um we'll be the first manager first City manager to win his first seven competitive games. Uh, once Tuesday has been and gone.
0: All right, and Dan, you drew the big boys in your group in Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, you have the exact opposite group makeup as we do. You have one big club and two smalls you get points against. We have difficult guys throughout the whole middle, but no really huge clubs that we're up against. Uh, are you expecting much from this one?
2: Uh, surprisingly, I, maybe not expecting much, but I'm more optimistic than I usually am against big clubs, because PSG, they had a really bad summer. They, I really did not like their summer. They brought in Kuchowiak, but and they brought in Ben Arfa and Hesse Rodriguez, but they didn't replace Ibra at all. Um, I still can't believe they didn't sign someone else. Cavani has been unconvincing throughout his whole PSG career, and um, they they just got worse. They got worse. They replaced replace um, Blanc with Unai Emery, who I did like that appointment, but Squad wise, I thought they got worse, um, and then they'll have quite a few players missing. Um, I know it's being reported: Serge Aurier, Levin Kazawa, and Maxwell will all be missing. So they'll have at least one backup, or they'll have at least one backup or fullback who's not actually a fullback, um, or an academy player depends. Um, Thiago Stilva's still yet to play the season for them, and he didn't play on the weekend. I don't know about his fitness, and I know um, Di Maria and Cavani both missed out, although I think they will be, they should be fine by midweek because I think they had the same issue Alexis did where they played um, for the South American World Cup qualifiers and just didn't get back till late. But um, they haven't been great in the league, and I don't expect a win because winning in Paris is an unbelievably difficult task, but I'm much more optimistic than I would normally be for this kind of game because they haven't looked great. We haven't looked great either, but... I think we have more of our squad available to us and we haven't looked so bad, but they haven't looked good enough that I'm like, they're really not beatable. I think they're genuinely beatable. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic of the group. Cause like you said, we have the one big team who I, like I just said, they haven't looked great so far and they have this two small teams that we should get enough points off to progress. So I think we can win. I uh, don't know if we will, but we can. And it, I I'm not yeah, overly all you pessimistic. Yeah.
0: All right. And Jay, for you coming back to the Premier League, how do you think you'll fare at the weekend? Do you think you'll continue your momentum from your win this week?
3: Yeah, hopefully so. Uh, I did mention that playing a team like Stoke, who are not playing very well off the back of a big defeat, a uh, dangerous team to play against, whether they got one point or, or, or a few more than that. So uh, especially, Palace at home. Uh, we struggle at home, and we we struggle against teams that will come and defend. And you know, Stoke will probably do that. We'll, we'll probably perhaps come to Palace and, and want to get at least a point. Maybe seek to get a win. I'm not sure, but they, they'll. I think they'll be a little bit different team this week um, against us. So I'm hopeful that we can continue in good form. But at Palace, like I say, we, we struggle to break teams down. I'm ho- hoping that with Benteke getting his first goal for Palace yesterday will be a big thing for us and, and perhaps free him up a little bit too. Uh, I mean, it's only been his second game in the Premier League for us. So uh, hopefully he will um, add to that on, on Sunday, but I'm, I'm hopeful we can get something out of the game and we sh- should be looking for a win. So I'm going to be positive and say that we're going to uh, break our hoodoo at home and, uh, and get a win against uh, what looks to be a poor Stoke side.
0: All right. And uh, Tottenham have Monaco. This is going to be our first match at Wembley in the Champions League. So it should be quite the event. Uh, as for the, the Spurs fans that point out that we abused them last year in the Europa League, I think they've kind of missed the point on, on kind of some of the moves that Monaco have made. I, I think they're a much tougher ask this year. Um, they get Camille Glick in, uh, from Torino, who I think uh-huh. uh, a lot of clubs were looking after. They already have Fabinho, who is uh, you know a player that a lot of people were looking at. Uh, Jabril Sidibe, not going to try that again. <laughs> was Sidibe. in the France squad
2: sure.
0: <laughs> but he said uh, did well in the France squad and is now an international there they still have Joel Matinho who obviously we were in for a long time, Bernardo Silva Falcao just came back, whether or not he's going to be able to uh, recapture some of his former glory but I feel a lot less comfortable than I did before knowing that he'd be back even with all of the struggles uh, which I guess all stem back from his knee injury uh, right before the World Cup in 2014 but th- this is not an easy match for us Uh, As the other guys echoed, I'm not sure how we're going to treat this 11. I would assume that Michelle Vorm will actually be given the reins. I think if we had gotten a quote-unquote tougher group, it would have just been Larice all the way through. But I think Vorm did earn something from how well he played in that Premier League stint, and I wouldn't be surprised if he got a shot. We're probably going to do the wing-back rotation thing, although Ben Davis would have to hold down that spot because Rose probably won't be ready till the weekend. Uh, I would expect to see Janssen start up front and not Kane. Um, you know, Sun, maybe in Kudu, maybe Sissoko. I would expect to see some level of rotation. I think this is going to be the first week where we see which uh, defensive midfielders preferred in which because with Dembele finally back um, with the suspension over, it'll be interesting to see. What I would assume is that he'll get a brief run out towards the end of this match against Monaco and he'll start at the weekend. So then we need to decide now between if Wanyama or Dyer are going to be in which competition. So I think that'll be a very interesting thing to watch. All in all, I would expect us to pick up the win, but I would not uh, turn my nose up at a draw by any stretch. Uh, so hopefully we we'll, we will be able to do that. Uh, I'm going to be optimistic and say 2-1, but I think it could easily be a 1-1 draw. All right, and that does it for us today. If you'd like to reach us at the podcast, we're at EPL Roundtable. Guys, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you?
1: Yeah, um, uh, Richard, I'm on Twitter, at RichardTheBurns. Um, I write for Yahoo Sport, about City, um, up to two blogs a week, and I am on the Blue Moon Podcast, um, or I'm a member of the Blue Moon Podcast that is out every Friday and is a dedicated Manchester City blog, which is also on Twitter, at Blue Moon Podcast.
2: Yeah, I'm Dan, uh, I write for APLindex.com, as I said before, and you can get me on Twitter, at the underscore jersey underscore fits.
3: Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. I'm Jay. I'm editor of The Eagles Beat uh, Palace fans, so you can get me on Twitter at The Eagles Beat. I'm also a presenter of a local community football radio show called It, and I'm on Twitter at underscore Bacchanet underscore.
0: Yeah, I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can find some of my writings over at TheEaglesBeak.com and some at playtoga.com. Uh, also have a fantasy roundtable show that goes up on Wednesday mornings and a championship show that we record on Sundays as well. Uh, that will come out after this one, I believe, this week. Um, also, looks like I'll probably be doing the World Football Index uh, show again this week, so go check them out as well. Uh, probably more stuff. If there's more stuff, I'll tweet it out again at KevRoff. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.